welcome to the Unfiltered Femme podcast, your new world to get the lowdown on all things pleasure, sexuality, the mysterious female body, dating, relationships, and everything you need to know to step into your most unfiltered, unapologetic, empowered, and turned on self. I'm Steph Morris, a love, sex, and intimacy coach, and along with some incredibly fabulous guests, I'm here to spill the tea on those topics that are typically hush-hush, the juicy things that you want to know all about that have maybe been a little bit too shy to talk about. Think of me as your fearless guide and partner in crime, creating a space for the unfiltered, the raw, the authentic chats where nothing is off limits and there's no such thing as too much. The Unfiltered Femme podcast is all about breaking down those walls and celebrating what it means to be an unfiltered feminine being. I hope you're ready for a wild ride. Let's dive right in. Welcome back to the Unfiltered Femme podcast. I'm so excited to have the amazing Jenna Miller here with me again for a part two of our conversation. We're going to be going a little bit deeper. If you didn't already check out the conversation that we had previously around our experience attending a sacred sexuality retreat in Costa Rica with a hundred women who were all sex coaches, then you definitely need to check that out after this episode. Today we are going to be going down a different route, on a different journey, we want to share with you some really important pieces of education and have a really deep conversation around the things that we want every woman to know. So this is from two sex coaches who have invested a lot of money, of time, of hours into our own personal practice and into our professional development and working with many women over the last few years. And this is what we want you to know. So Jenna, welcome back. How are you doing? Let's dive in. Are you ready? (laughs) Oh my God. Yes. I'm so excited. I feel like this conversation is going to be just a party. So I'm really excited for that, but also a very healing party, like a good cozy sleepover, all the inside information from your big sisters. And yeah, I'm so excited. I'm like pumped. Let's get into it. Me too. This (laughs) is going to be a fun party. And I feel like that's basically when me and you hang out and have conversations, that's how it feels, doesn't it? We go there. There's nothing off limits with me and you (laughs) in our conversations. And I think it's really going to be fun for people to listen to what conversations between women can be like. Fun, celebratory, open, deep, lighthearted, all of the above. So Let's dive in and let's just go with the flow. We actually don't know where the conversation is going to take us, but it'll be fun, no doubt. So I'd love for you to share a little deeper than last time around your story of growing up, the kind of household that you grew up in, how that impacted you and a little bit around your journey of how you ended up becoming a sex coach. Yeah. So my the context for where I grew up is an important piece of the puzzle. I grew up with a dad as a physician and a mother as a spiritual mentor. And this blend of spirituality and science was really like, I'm the child of that. Mm-hmm. And nothing was off limits in our household. So we had conversations at the dinner table about sex, about love, about intimacy, about weird things like body parts. There was nothing that held that charge of shame or discomfort. And my parents really fostered an environment where we, me and my siblings, were able to really 
be curious and curious in safe environments. You know, we were told information that was age appropriate, but we were allowed to be curious, which I think is the biggest part about what's made me successful in my life is just that curiosity piece. So those are my parents. They're amazing people and brilliant, both of them in very different ways. And I am like equal parts of both of them. So Growing up, I really struggled with anxiety and depression, and I was in therapy since I was eight years old. My earliest panic attack was at three years old in the coat closet of kindergarten or preschool, and I remember always just struggling with with my mind. And so this led me down the path of psychology, and I studied psychology in university. I thought I would be a psychotherapist. I did clinical psych, and I was really struggling with the the clinical cold, like almost judgy aspects of that that way of supporting people with their mind. So I took a step back from that and I thought, okay, maybe I'm going to do sex therapy and make it a bit more specific because I have always had this really open curiosity about sex. It's been something that you know, the women on the schoolyard in high school and elementary school would come to me and be like, hey, how do you give a blowjob? Or how does this work? And what is this? And what is my body doing? And is this period thing normal? And because I was this doctor's daughter who had all this information because my parents were so amazing, I answered those questions. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to step away from this clinical psychology aspect and maybe go into more couples counseling. And that also didn't resonate. So after uni, after I finished my undergrad, I took a year off and that's when I found sacred sexuality. And it's really funny because my mom sent me an online Tantra 101, like an education-based Tantra e-learning thing. And I was that summer just working in the restaurant industry and really trying to orient myself to like what is next after feeling like I don't totally know what the future is going to hold for me. And when I clicked into that online Tantra class, it was like all of the stars started aligning and I was like, holy fuck, this is the thing I've been missing is this bridging mindfulness and spirituality with intimacy and with sex. And so I think of my practice now as this real blend of sex education with mindfulness and spirituality infused into it. And that's how I think of sacred sexuality. I think of it as bringing the heart and the mind back together and then the pussy, the genitals into all of that as well. So that's a little synopsis, I guess, about my pathway into sex coaching. And it's definitely my dharma. It's where I'm meant to be. It's what I'm supposed to do in this world. It's what I feel so lit up about. And yeah, I just love it. So that's me. Mm, what a beautiful share. Thank you for going into that detail. And my heart goes out to little three-year-old Jenna experiencing a panic attack. Oh my gosh, yeah. bless you. Thank you for sharing that. That's I can't even imagine that that journey mm-hmm. that has ultimately led you to where you are today. And thank you for, for going there. I love the piece that you shared about you've always been that person that people have gone to. As you were sharing that, that reminded me, which I want to share here, that you have been that person for me on my journey. Oh. Of how, that's actually how you and I connected. So I want to share this because I think it's so it just warms my heart. And I just had that light bulb moment of, wait, this is what you're like for me. And now you are too. Cause now I text you like 
questions about things sometimes. Steph texted me. (laughs) Steph texted me just a couple of days ago. It was just out of nowhere. Just do you spit or swallow? And I was like, I opened the text, just the biggest smile on my face. And I was like, yes, these are the types of conversations I want to be having with my girlfriends. Thank you. (laughs) Literally, I'm so happy that I have you because it's not everybody in my phone book or like not every girlfriend I have could I text without any context like there's no framing it was literally two spills <laughs> too fucking funny anyway back to what I was sharing I knew yeah I had to go there in 20 I think it was 2020 I was going you know really deep in in my own spiritual awakening and sexual awakening and I'd hired a coach and I shared this in, in the first podcast episode. And I had discovered, actually, I think I attended somehow, I found this webinar that you were doing with your cousin around cycles or I think there was a sexuality piece in there as well. I think it was your cousin who I was actually following. And I attended this masterclass or workshop that you were both doing. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. And I remember how incredibly confident you were in what you were sharing and I was not experienced in this at all at that phase like I actually was still pretty awkward around talking about sexuality and was still on my own journey but not fully embodying everything yet like at the point where I was able to to share and I still had a lot of work to do and I reached out to you because I think at the time you were called a feminine embodiment mentor or feminine embodiment coach. And that was the first time or around the first time I was starting to hear about this. And I remember messaging you and saying, Hey, what does this mean? Like, what, what is a feminine embodiment mentor? And you replied to me and were like, we can hop on a call if you want, like to have a chat. And I literally was blown away that you were so nice and willing to get on a phone call with me to just share and chat and I remember like that conversation we had had such a big impact on me and you were the one who told me about um John Wineland I think you told me about um Layla maybe about Layla um who else Ashe Sandara there was her she had a sex goddess course um David Dieter and his books like you told me about all of these things and I was like yes this is like the bible that I'm receiving the sexual intimacy sacred sexuality bible and I just went and dove right in from there but it had such an impact on me because up until then I still hadn't fully experienced women being so open and there I am saying I'm thinking of getting into this work so technically I could have been your competition but you were just like yeah here like here's the information dive in if you have questions ask me and it just blew me away and had such an impact on me and showed me what I wanted how I wanted to be as a woman to other women, but also what was possible in terms of those feminine interactions. And it's so cool now, like coming all of these years later and where our friendship is at. But I just had to share that from my perspective and experience because it really had such massive impact on me. So thank you. I'm very grateful. Yeah. And I, you know, I think that's the byproduct of like the power of the pussy. Like, you know, when you start to dismantle the shame and the sisterhood wounds and the, the, the the sticky crunchy stuff that's existing around our sexualities and our femininity and the ways in which we show up in the world it's like when you discharge all of that not so pleasant things then you get to open up this pathway to like the really exciting stuff and really start to see everyone as 
I don't want to get too ethereal, but like everyone as just the divinity that they are and that you, I, there's no way that anyone could compare you and I. We are two beautifully different, completely different people and who's going to be attracted to your work is completely different than who would be attracted to my work. And so in essence, there's no competition at all. Like we, yeah. how could we ever compare two royal, like amazing, incredible things, right? It's just mm. not even possible. So yeah, I do think that's a, a byproduct of doing the work and really beginning to not feel like other women are our competition and just that there's so much power in the community and in the connection and the intimacy that we share with other women because the intimacy that we share with other women is so much different than the intimacy we will share with men. Mm, I so agree. And other women aren't our competition. They're our inspiration. They are our biggest inspiration to show us what's possible and what it can be. And every, every woman in this world, I would love to be able to have deep, these intimate, beautiful, feminine friendships where there isn't this bitchiness or competition. And I'm mm -hmm. sure we've all experienced growing up or maybe people even still have friends like this where you tell them something and they're like, I don't agree with that. Or I don't think you should do that or judgmental you know, not supportive, competitive, jealous, all of these different elements that come in, which are really common. And it is such a shame because it doesn't have to be that way. And, and another way is possible. So I love that we are the, we are the embodiment of this. I love it so much. I would love to know next, what is your big why, or what is your big vision that you desire for women? Yeah, I think I've redefined this recently. So after I shared a little bit, I think in our other podcast, the Costa Rica recap, but I think my vision changed a bit after that retreat and bringing some of that work in person and just feeling the depth of it for the first time really in my life. I thought I would do a lot of this work online and in different settings. And now my mind is like blasted open to in-person work and work with couples and maybe even more hands-on work. So that my work is re being remolded at the moment, but I think my big vision is like to really just support women with being well fucked. I want everyone to feel the depth of what it means to be like completely ravished and cared for and adored and like to for their pussies to be worshipped. Mm -hmm. And I think what that changes for someone and how they can show up in love, in their marriages, in their relationships, in their family dynamics, in their craft and in their purpose in the world, their dharma, their work, whatever they choose to do, like how much fuller they can show up when there is when they are tapped into that orgasmic energy, when they are tapped into their life force energy, which is our sexuality, right? When they are tapped into the bliss and the feel good state. And so, yeah, I want to start my real true like hands-on goal is dismantling the shame and the guilt within our sexuality so we can start to tap into those really um, blissful states of of pleasure and orgasm and then, yeah, supporting people to just have the best sex of their life. Juicy. <laughs> my mind is going to all kinds of places right now. Yeah. I love it. Well-fucked women because when you're well-fucked, well-loved, well-supported – you do show up differently. Your energy is completely different. And that's how we as women are truly embodied in our fucking fierceness and our feminine fire and our worthiness. And when we come together, when women are embodied in that and come together, like we were just sharing and celebrating one another, we are a fucking force. 
that just reminded me, I was texting a, a good friend the other day and I actually said that and she was like, you need to make this an Instagram post. I said, a well-fucked woman is a fucking force to be reckoned with, like 100%. a complete force of nature. And how many women are not truly embodying and stepping into their full forceful, and I don't mean forceful as if like, as in pushing, but that feminine force energy Mm-hmm. They're not embodying that truly because they're still so disconnected from a massive part of themselves. So let's dive into this because I think a lot of people, they're trying to separate sex from other areas of life. They're like, that's one area. I don't need it that much. I don't like it that much. It doesn't bring me that much pleasure. I'm not desiring it. Therefore, I can just put it in a little bubble, push it over here and not have to think about it that much, not have to push myself to experience it that much. And I think a lot of people are perhaps at some level lying to themselves that they don't need or desire it because their experience of it isn't what they see in the movies or isn't what perhaps they hear people like you and I talk about. Though with that, I think that's such a disservice to themselves because we have on one hand being a well-fucked woman and being multi-orgasmic and having the, you know, incredible sexual experiences. But we also have, like you shared, that connection to our life force energy, that connection to the most powerful energy that we have. So let's talk about this. Okay. So when you were talking, it made me think of two really important points and I, and I'll answer, I'll go back to that question, but I think that they're really relevant. And I think this could be a moment of change for someone listening, but One thing is I think women give their power away way too much within sex. So they're Mm. expecting that their partners is going to show up for them and rock their world, rock their socks, but they know nothing about their own body. They're not tapped into sensation. Maybe they're scared of pain. Maybe they haven't felt into their felt sense at all. They don't really have much sensation in their body because they've decided to turn off discomfort, like uh, uncomfortable emotions. We were talking earlier about how the d- level of pain we can tolerate in our lives is a direct correlation to the level of pleasure that we can access in our bodies. And that has been a deep path for you and I, I know within the last two years. So we can go on that tailspin another time. But giving your power away, I think, is a, is a massive piece of that puzzle that women are basically programmed to do is to give that away. So one thing is leading yourself and talking and communicating with the people that you have sex with about what you desire and figuring out what you even do desire, right? Some people are such people pleasers that they don't even have language to say what they want. They can't even think in their mind about what they want. So working with someone like yourself or I like to support them in that pursuit of, okay, explore what is even here, get curious, find out what's there. The other thing is if you have shitty sex. So if if the sex is the same all the time, if you're not if your pri- if your pleasure isn't prioritized, if sex is painful to you, which there's a decent amount of the population where sex is is actually very painful, you're not going to be craving it, right? It's not if if sex is boring or sex is painful, you're not going to be like, "Oh, that's the thing I want to do right now." Like I want to put my energy into that. Or if you're having sex with people that you're not attracted to, you're maybe having sex with the wrong gender. Maybe you're lying to yourself about your sexuality. Maybe your fantasies that you have in your mind, you think you can't access. So you're not playing those out. And like sex does feel boring or there's like this lack of depth that you're desiring. So if those pieces of the puzzle are there, obviously sex is going to feel like a back burner thing for you. You can, you're like, oh, I could go without, I don't, I'm not a sexual person. 
But when we clear away some of that stuff, when we make space to actually go into what do we desire? What's there? What's what can I be curious about within my sexuality? Then we get to open up this framework to say, okay, is there sensation in the body? What is here that we have to play with? And then our relationship to sex looks very different. And most of the time when we do work like that, you know, you and I with our clients, then we open up this whole portal where it's like, oh, fuck, yeah, I am craving it. Like, I do want this. I do want to schedule this into my calendar. I want to make days with my partner just to fuck. Like, I want to self-pleasure on a weekday afternoon, like after a work meeting, you know, like making this a priority because it feels so nourishing. And I think that there is just a real big disconnect between what we think we have to do and how we think we have to show up and what we genuinely do desire in our bodies and in our hearts. Mm, Damn, Jenna, that was so juicy. And I have many threads to follow up here with. One is how and why do we expect men to know what we like in our bodies. Isn't it so fascinating that we go into sexual experiences and like you said, women are outsourcing their power and saying, you show me, like you do to me what you know how to do. Well, that is just crazy. Like they don't have the body parts that we have. Every woman is so different in her experience and her capacity and her sensation. And every day is so different for us as well. We are cyclical beings and what feels really good in our body one day might not feel so good another day. One day we might be like nipple stimulation, give it to me. The next day we might be like, you know what? That's not really what I'm craving or desiring right now, but how can we expect? Yeah. Yeah, it might hurt. How can we expect? And sorry, we're using a man here as an example. Obviously it can be, any gender, but for this reference in this conversation, we're talking about outsourcing our pleasure to men, which is very common in this society, but how the fuck could they possibly know what feels good and what doesn't feel good? And what I think is fascinating to me is how many men are so uneducated and how many men are not giving women pleasure because no woman has ever said to him, Hey, I don't like that. Or not even you wouldn't even say it like that, FYI, but you know, you can say it in a in a sexier way of like, hey babe, I would love it if you did this. Or can you use your tongue a little bit more like this on me? Or can you go a little bit slower or whatever it is? But it just is mind-blowing to me. And I'm saying this because I used to do that, by the way. Like I think about all like pre-relationship stuff, all of the sexual experiences that I had. I never once said, I like it like this, or can you do this to me? I always let the guy that I was with lead me and take me there. And then I would label it as good or bad. But I'm like, that's just so, isn't that just wild? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the biggest things, so a lot of this stuff is kind of heterosexual specific because the sexual satisfaction of queer couples is actually higher than um, that of heterosexual. So like the conditioning that we get through either church or through communities within heterosexual dynamics is a bit more, obviously the gay community and queer folks have to deal with a whole lot of other dismantling and and fear and safety and shame. So that's a whole other Mm. conversation, but the sexual satisfaction is different. You know, Mm. like women who are fucking women are having much better sex than women who Mm. are fucking men. That's just, Mm. that is straight 
facts. So anyway, that's one piece of the puzzle. I think there's also this. So this is from my context, which is coming from growing up heterosexual, going to a Catholic school and growing up in a a Western culture where heterosexual is like the norm and the standard. But women are programmed to be these virginal, I don't, I'm like submissive, naive, like bashful in their sexuality. And then men are expected to be these dominant porn stars, right? (laughs) And the amount of shame that comes from both of those sides. So then the submissive virginal woman is like, well, I can't say what I like because that's not appropriate. That's not how I've been told to behave. I've been told to be a good girl or to be modest or I shouldn't know. Like I shouldn't share that I touch my pussy. I shouldn't share Mm -hmm. that I know what feels good or what this is what what I like, right? Mm. And then there's so much shame for men because they think they have to know all these skills when they arrive, but you're learning these skills with other people, right? You can train as much as you want in the gym. Like the analogy is you can you can train weights all you want in the gym, but when you hit the field, that's when you're actually doing the work, right? Think of an athlete. Same thing for men. Like you can watch porn or you can masturbate all you want but when you're actually in front of a partner having sex with them that's a very different dynamic and you're exercising those skills in a very realistic practical way Mm -hmm. so i think both of those concepts and those frameworks do both of us a disservice where we end up having shitty sex because both parties are feeling a lot of shame and a lot of guilt and are very much just confused with how to show up yeah so true and that comes back to the thread that porn is not a great example of what sex is actually like, nor is the representation in the media or in movies or TV shows. There is very little accurate representation of what true, respectful, consentful, feminine, focused pleasure and sex is actually like and that is a massive problem for everybody and that is or has led to where we are today where I think a lot of people are in this space of not desiring or enjoying sex and it's a real shame and it doesn't have to be that way that just made me think of the shame piece you said something about women not being able to share, I touch my pussy or I self-pleasure because there is that shame. And that reminded me of somebody I was with a long time ago and he actually would not let me, I say, I use quotation marks, but he hated, like he wouldn't basically allow me to touch myself during sex. He was like, I'll do it. And I didn't say anything back then because I had no confidence. I felt a lot of shame. I didn't feel confident in using my voice. I didn't express myself through my voice. I very much stayed quiet. And that only accentuated the shame that I had around that. So I'm like, I'm not even allowed to touch my own body and show him how I like it because it's for him. And I'm sure a lot of women can relate to that because there is that conditioning around men and around women that our pleasure is for another person. And so reclaiming our pussies and reclaiming our power and our femininity is so important as well as the communication piece and how do we get better at communicating is by getting to know our bodies and finding that confidence within and exploring in a private setting. Then we build the confidence to share with another person because it's so vulnerable and it takes a lot of courage to say, hey, can you do it like this? Or I don't, you know, I'm not really into that or yes or no. And I think, unfortunately, 
some men can take advantage of the fact that women being programmed to be the good girl. A lot of men, and again, thanks to the patriarchy, men love the maiden type woman that maiden like damsel in distress thinking about the Disney movies and like the naive princess that needs to be saved. Men love that. And this is why there is, I guess, some programming against women who are super confident or sexual get labeled as arrogant or whatever it is, because there is a lot of conditioning that a perfect woman or the perfect wife is that submissive like powerless type damsel in distress that needs saving and feels good for men. They get to be that knight in shining armor, but that's not how we live an empowered life. So yeah, I just wanted to touch on that. I have an interesting theory about that archetypal play within feminine. So Steph is talking about the the feminine archetypes of the maiden. And I think within for men, there's a lot more there. They can control more with the maiden energy. There's more that can be, predicted and controlled and there's less risk involved if you compare that to a woman stepping into the lover archetype of a real exuberant like in their sexual energy in their power standing tall on their own there's so much more risk involved in that right Mm -hmm. and a a, a lot of men it's about managing risk and it's Mm. about knowing what's predictable and what's secure and so when they fantasize it's maybe thinking about strippers or you know the lover archetype but then they think about having a partnership and a wife and it's like that's more of that maiden energy so mm-hmm. anyway yeah i think i i do associate it with that uh being intimidated by a woman in her full magnetic radiance of her sexuality within yeah. that lover space and then feeling like there's that level of out of control which then makes you feel like there is risk of losing that person, which is everyone wants to avoid rejection and feeling hurt, right? So of course. Anyway, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I love archetype play so much. And there's the lover and then there's also the queen, right? And there's a massive misrepresentation that we all have grown up experiencing around the queen archetype. And clearly I love the queen archetype. I have many programs that are focused around that queen archetype because it's so powerful for women to step into. And I think this has a lot to do with what we're seeing in where we are today, like right in this very moment in 2023, specifically this year, so many women in their early to mid thirties are leaving long-term relationships. And I think this is because, (laughs) I think this is because we're seeing women leaving behind that maiden energy and stepping more into that queen lover and then queen archetype of, I got me. I have control of myself. I'm the ruler of my own body and my own queendom. I am embodied in my sensuality, in my sexuality, in my power. I own my voice. I am here and take a stand for all women and to help rise other, help other women rise up. And that is that forceful energy when we can meet our own needs and everything else is a desire, we are powerful and we need to be met in that power. And so there is a massive shift happening and so many more than ever. I mean, this is just wild. How many women in their thirties are leaving very long-term partnerships or marriages and stepping away and saying, actually, I would rather be alone and I would rather be single in this space and in this energy than be in a partnership where this isn't serving me and we 
kind of get stuck into that like maiden and good girl energy. So I think that is a massive piece of the puzzle that we're seeing right now. And if you're experiencing that, you're not alone. (laughs) Yeah, no, it gives me goosebumps because I do keep seeing that all around me. And every time I see someone make that exit, that's not in their highest good or, you know, they're looking for something that nourishes them in in a better way. I'm, I'm so excited for them. And that's obviously been my story too. So it really resonates. But I think what's so cool about when you get to that queen archetype and you're in that energy and you're so aware of your own worthiness and deservingness, partnership then gets to be this act of devotion and celebration mm-hmm. and union in a way that's not codependent. And in, in a way that's like, I'm calling you into your power, you're calling me into my power. And we're mirroring that back to each other, rather than this kind of sticky, I don't know, mm. codependence or something that doesn't serve both parties, right? It's mm-hmm. like, we're choosing to do this, we could do our lives without one another, but let's do it together, because it amplifies the joy, it amplifies the pleasure. And that's the thing that really excites me about divine unions is like, mm. finding your person that makes you the best version of you and won't let you settle for a smaller version of yourself Mm, so powerful and it's so possible and I really wish that all women who are currently either considering perhaps leaving a relationship or if they are single I want every woman to feel good and to feel like I got me because I think there are so many women out there who are still in that sort of codependent perhaps made in E type energy and they're looking and trying to seek a partner from that space and it's not going to serve them. And why not just create your fucking dream life whilst you're on your own and meet all your own needs and get embodied in your own sensuality and sexuality and have a fucking amazing time. And then the kind of partner that you're going to attract is going to be that mind blowing just incredible partnership that is so possible versus coming from this place of need. No, it's like, I don't need this other person. You're choosing this other person. And I think Mm -hmm. going into a relationship, knowing that I'm choosing to be here and I know at any point I could walk away from this and I will walk away if it's not serving me is a very empowering place to enter a relationship that most people do not really enter from. Something that I think is really important that we're not taught and I really think is something, this is sort of an area that I'm definitely going to be exploring more of and diving more into personally and professionally as well is really starting a relationship from a conscious place. I think so many relationships are not entered consciously. We often rush into things and ignore you know red flags and come from that place of again trying to fill a void or trying to meet some desperate needs that we have that can mean relationships aren't entered from a very intentional and conscious place and I truly believe that the way that we enter a relationship massively impacts the the long term the longevity and success of that relationship of course they can change relationships can change and evolve 100% however i really think the initial phase is so so important and i think this is a big piece that i'm not really seeing talked about that much is how you enter into a relationship yeah I think one of those biggest pieces, and and I'm saying this now because I would have needed to hear it a a little bit ago, but 
I think what stops a lot of people from making an exit when they know the partnership is not right for them is that fear of being alone. Mm. And I think that the intimacy that we can create with ourselves in that period, like, yes, it is so uncomfortable to be alone. And to be lonely is a really uncomfortable emotion. But to find relationships that are nourishing to you outside of that sexual intimate relationship, like have find community in sisterhood or in friendships that can be supportive and help you meet your needs find if you can create a great relationship with your family members or a closeness where you have people to rely on and again to get hugs from or Mm. to get nourishment in other ways to make that exit more palatable and to make it more manageable in your system because I do know how uncomfortable it is to be alone but also on the other side of taking that period of loneliness could be like everything that you've been desiring and this version of yourself that you've been wanting to tap into and touch for a long time, but you're stuck in the weeds right now. And yeah, I think just being really honest about how how scary it is to feel alone. That is a core need at the end of the day. That is a survival mechanism that all of us need to feel belong, like belonging, right? Mm -hmm. And if there's wounding there from being bullied or being abused or something from your past where being alone is really, really frightening in your system, then working with a coach or working with a therapist, finding someone who can help you find your needs being met in other ways outside of that relationship so that you can blast through and have the, the epic relationships on the other side. Mm, thank you for touching on that. I found from my own experience that, and I think this, there are two pieces to this. The fear of being alone is more intense and painful than actually being alone. Yeah, because the fear of it is so crippling and so scary. When you are actually alone, there is that sense of peace. And mm. of course, the loneliness that occurs can be intense also but that's why exactly like you said it's so important to fill fill those gaps in other ways so really focusing on social life on really good quality friendships on animals having pets or having little cuddly creatures it makes a big difference it really does versus you just being by yourself you know eating every meal alone not having any cuddles, not having that release of oxytocin that we need from physical touch. And so finding these good quality connections and like-minded women, the kind of friendships that we're talking about here that Jenna and I have and that are possible. I mean, I have so many incredible, incredible, deep, supportive friendships now. Most of these women were not in my life three years ago. My closest best friends now I did not know a few years ago and there are some that I didn't even know at the start of this year I mean you and I and there are a couple other people who I wasn't that close with until the last few months and it just goes to show that things can change really quickly this is also why retreats are super powerful because you get that connection you get that closeness you get that expediting of the intimacy the the platonic intimacy at these kind of experiences as well as having coaches therapists For me, it's a non-negotiable in life. Like Mm -hmm. I would not have survived. Really, I wouldn't have survived the last six months, if I'm being honest, if I didn't have the level of support that I have had in my life Mm -hmm. from friends, from my family, from my therapist, from friends who are, you know, in this similar industries who we can do swaps with. I have a friend who we do breathwork swaps and whenever we're feeling it, we'll exchange breathwork sessions 
And it's so powerful. And these are friends that I have found from doing certifications and different things. But again, it's it's absolutely necessary. It's a non-negotiable part of being a human. Otherwise, you're going to turn to things, n- ways of numbing. Probably n- it's going to be more difficult to really be with yourself and easier to choose food or sex or alcohol, TV, shopping, scrolling, and all of the other forms of numbing and addictive sort of behaviors, because it is hard being a human. And those can be a crutch for a while, you know, like there was, there was months there where scrolling and shopping and that was what I needed and Mm -hmm. checking out mentally, watching Love Island. Like, you know, there's periods of time where if you're, if you're, if you need that, then then give yourself the grace to have a period of time where you indulge in those things. And I just want to identify too, it is such a privilege to have a community that really does like support you. It's not accessible for everyone necessarily. And it's not the easiest thing to foster. But I think that being vulnerable with the people in your circles is the biggest route into having really nourishing relationships. And for me, like how I survived uncoupling after 10 years and and really getting through that chapter was asking for women for what I needed. Like, can it, can you hold me? Like, can you hold my hand right now? Can you give me a hug? Like, mm-hmm. can we sit together and watch this movie? Like, I don't want to lay in this bed alone. You know, mm-hmm. can you sit here and we can put on some background show and just scroll on our phones? Like asking for those things that you need, which does take a lot of courage, but most people want to love you the way that you want to be loved, you know? Yeah. And if people are really truly in your corner because they care for you, they're going to hold your hand when it when it's uncomfortable and when you need it and they just don't know necessarily what you need Mm. and they're waiting for you to say like give me give me a scratch on the back or you know make me a cup of soup but I can't I can't muster that right now so so true I think that's difficult for many women is to express their needs and ask for support it's very hard to do because we don't want to be a burden to other people and especially if you're going through something really intense it can be a lot for another person to hold, but that's where having those quality friendships is important. And yeah. they don't just come to us. It does, we do have to be courageous enough to say, hey, I'm looking for something. I mm. need something. Can you do this for me? And this was something that I loved at the retreat that we attended was really speaking our needs, especially, you know, those end of the breathwork sessions and Layla would guide us into saying, ask your partner how can I support you the most in this and the thing that I loved to have done was having my hair stroked after the breathwork session and it was so nourishing and I was like oh my gosh to receive this love and support from another woman in a completely like it's almost a sibling or like motherly sort of love that like very nurturing love that you can receive where you just get to to be and to feel that nourishing love is so healing and so powerful. So, And I want to ask you too, like when someone told you what they wanted, like, will you hold my hand or something? Didn't it feel good to then give that to them? Oh my like, God, it, it felt so good. As the giver, you're like, yeah, no, I want to scratch your hair. Like I want to be there and to hold you in that way because I, I feel you need that support and like I want to give you exactly what you desire. And no one will love you like your girlfriends will, you know, like no one will adore you and give you back the same energy you're putting in. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So true. Thank you for sharing that because yeah, I remember specific moments of being asked, can you do this? Can you hold my hand or can you just hold me physically and just embrace me? And 
the like literal tingles in my heart I received from giving giving with no expectation of receiving back giving to give feels so good and so often in this life we are listening to respond or we're giving to receive or we're keeping a tally of things and that really is just robbing us from the pure joy and pleasure that we can experience from just being and just giving and giving to give because it feels good or same thing with pleasure giving pleasure and finding pleasure and giving pleasure versus giving your partner pleasure because you know you want to receive pleasure back you can actually get to a point where it feels so pleasurable to give another person pleasure and it's the same thing so yeah I love I love that I also wanted to add that in terms of the the numbing situation. I completely agree with this, that there is a time and a place where you can be very intentional and conscious about the behaviors that you're diving into or exhibiting. And sometimes you do have to just zone out. And I will totally agree that I've done that or have done that probably more this summer than I ever have before. After coming back from the retreat, I was in bed for seven days. And I think I watched like four seasons of the Kardashians. I don't even watch the Kardashians, but I was like, I need a show that I can just binge because I just was so fragile that I needed to watch a show. I binged Too Hot to Handle, like everything, Love is Blind, all of the things. And then my other uh, habit that I really dove into was reading. So I think I read something like 16 books in about three weeks or maybe a month. Yeah, you can hear from that. Basically, all I did with my time was read novels because mm-hmm. I couldn't. I mean, I was scrolling a little bit for sure, but that was that brought me pleasure and that brought me joy, and it felt so good to be able to get lost for a little bit in a fantasy world and in, in a world that doesn't really exist. But you know, reading and it felt really good too. So yeah, there are ways that you can do it that that feel nurturing and feel nourishing. And I literally thought to myself, when, how how am I ever going to stop reading? Because I'm just loving it so much. I moved through the phase. I haven't read a book now in, I don't know, a month or so. I'm struggling to get through a book, but just riding the waves and really surrendering to where you're at is so important. The more you surrender to, I'm going to binge watch a show or give myself permission to binge watch three shows this week. And I'm going to reevaluate next week how I'm feeling, or I'm going to just allow myself to read all the freaking books and see how I feel next week. The more that we surrender and just embrace that season, oftentimes the, the more with more ease we can move through it. Yeah. We do need to give ourselves more grace for, for things. And I think as long as it's not super self-destructive, obviously substances and whatnot can be really harmful and end up creating um, a whole different type of numbing, but yeah even just a really long nap, like my way of numbing sometimes Mm. is just to sleep and to sleep until I'm done sleeping and not, you know, to check out that way. And yeah, there are ways that you can support yourself in in ways that are not self-destructive. A hundred percent. I agree with that. Sleeping, reading books and binge watching shows, I think are in small, well, sleeping is very important, but I think those are habits that can actually be beneficial but yeah totally like not going down the substance alcohol food sort of or even excessively working out that can be a big one for people like Mm -hmm. punishing punishing their body through forms of exercise which you know oftentimes there are these mediums that are healthy for us in small doses but in in excess can be anything in excess is probably not 
long-term beneficial. So one thing I wanted to touch on a thread here that we were, were back at a few conversations ago, the thread around, I'm not a sexual person. I can't remember where this came from, but I wanted to touch on this because I think it was around needs, desires, and people thinking I'm not a sexual person. Therefore, it's just not a big thing for me. And I want to touch on this because that used to be me. So I used to not care about sex. I used to like could easily go like in a relationship, could go months without it and not care. It didn't bring me that much pleasure. I was on the pill for a long time. I was on the pill for 12 years. And I think that really accentuated that disconnect that I had with my body, as well as deep unworthiness, feeling very insecure and not owning or even knowing who I was. And when I when you don't know who you are, it's very hard to express yourself authentically because you don't know what your authentic self-expression is. So it's really interesting. And I think what everybody needs to know, what I would love every woman to know is that you can be whoever the fuck you want to be. You just have to discover who that is and you just have to remember who that is. And we are inherently sexual beings and we all have so much pleasure accessible to us. Our sexuality is a very important part of our health and wellness. Mm-hmm. And if we're not feeling that, or if we're disconnected from that, or we're not desiring it, there's an indicator there that something is off balance or there is something it could be physically or it could be mentally it could be through high stress it could be through hormone too many hormones in your body or synthetic hormones that are disconnecting you from your true essence and being in your body if you're not feeling like you're a sexual person and you are in a relationship thinking ah it's a chore it's a checklist I don't care I don't want it then there is a gift and an invitation for you to explore into that. And I, I'm probably going to say this so many times in this podcast, but it just gives me so much hope because the place that I was and the person that I was five years ago, going from that very non-sexual person would never have identified or felt sexy, so disconnected from my body to doing this work today. Anybody can experience this truly. And it's possible and you get to because we're sexual beings and it feels fucking good and it's so empowering. So I wanted to just touch on that. Um, yeah. I think with with asexuality, like being a, a part of the spectrum of um, sexuality, it's important to be honest if that is a trauma response or if that is a way that you're labeling to maybe avoid something or if that's genuinely how you've been. And so my advice with that would be look at, have you always felt not connected to your sexuality and have you always felt not interested in it in not a way that hurts you but just in a way that's like it's neutral and then that's like okay yeah maybe you're leaning more towards asexual but if it's kind of out of nowhere and you're like all of a sudden I don't feel like a sexual person anymore and that's how you want to label yourself amazing that's I I celebrate you in that but just being curious like where is that coming from and is that from a place of of genuine best service to yourself thank you because I feel like sometimes you can just get into oh, this is not a part of me that I care about. Especially too, later in life for women with menopause, a transition in life, people will be like, oh, that part of me is just dead. Like, mm. that's not there. Mm-hmm. But then you look yeah. at people like Mama Gina, who's having the best sex of their life and in their yeah. later years, in their last you know few decades of life. It's like, okay, that doesn't have to be that way. Um, and you get to 
you get to create that foundation for yourself of whatever you want it to look like. But that takes being honest and being curious and exploring and having support in your in your corner. Mm, so true. And I have a number of women that I've worked with who have either been going through, approaching, going through, or have gone through menopause. And it does change you. Your yeah. hormone levels are different. Your body is different. But rather than I think where society screws women over is by telling them that they're less desirable when they get older and comparing or I guess like compare themselves to when they were 30 when in actual fact what they have to do is get to know their body in a whole new way so the best time aside from you know 20s 30s 40s basically any age but a, a great time to explore this realm of sexuality is when you're going through menopause because even going through it for a second time because you're getting to know your body in a whole different way obviously speaking from I have not been through menopause but having worked with women who have this is the approach that I guide them to is get to know your body as if you're exploring it for the first time don't Mm -hmm. compare it to your 30 year old body be like wow how fucking magical is this this body has perhaps gifted me three beautiful children this body has served me and kept me healthy for 50 plus years like how freaking miraculous is that and just to touch on this the hormone levels are different the lubrication can be a lot lower the sexual desire can be a lot lower however for women who are going through menopause or been through menopause i have heard from many and i know this that the orgasms can be so intense you become fucking multi-orgasmic and can experience multi-orgasms and really long orgasms and really intense and powerful orgasms when you've gone through menopause. So for me, I'm like, fuck yes, I can't wait. That's going to be another season to explore. Obviously, yeah. love where I'm at right now, but it's just a different experience. And how cool is that, that we get to have these different experiences of women and get to know our body in this new way? It's that crone energy that powerful, like wise woman, and mm-hmm. you get to experience even more deep and powerful orgasms in a in a different way. Yeah. Being not afraid to switch that blueprint as you move through different seasons of your life, right? Like don't copy and paste that same way of being in your body and way of relating to your body in every chapter because it's not necessarily going to work and that can create frustration, right? Mm, so true. Yeah. Let's dive into now writing a new sexual story. One of my favorite processes that I guide all women through in my world is around writing a new sexual story. So unlike Jenna, you are very lucky with your upbringing. Many of us grew up not in a sexually celebrated household and we weren't really given the right of passage or initiation that young girls should really receive around their body, around pleasure, obviously age appropriate. But what we can do is reprogram that narrative internally and we get to choose what we do desire. So some, a process that I love is this thread. And if you're listening right now, maybe just take a moment to close your eyes and to visualize your younger self that you are surrounded by a tribe of women. And these tribe of women are all different ages, but they are sexually awakened beings of some sort. So maybe it's your ancestors or the past generations, the people that came before you, and they are here to pass on their wisdom and their lived experience and their trial and error to you around a sexual story. What would you 
love to hear. What were the things that you wish you were told growing up? And you can actually rewrite this narrative and take that ownership again, reclaiming your story around sex, sexuality, your body and pleasure to imprint into your nervous system and somatically imprint what you really desire to live as your new truth. So this is a really powerful exercise. Jenna, from you, if there was something that you could have learned that you know now that you could have been taught when you were younger, what would that be? I think one of the biggest things is the bringing the sacred back into sex, mm-hmm. having it be a celebration of intimacy and connection and intimacy with that person in a way that is nourishing and seeing sex as less mechanical and to have babies and a pursuit of something, mm-hmm. but really like this moment to savor and to celebrate and to bring the mindfulness into it. I think that would have been really amazing for me to hear how important it was to have sexual relationships with the people that you create children with and how that that sexual intimacy in that partnership creates a bedrock and a foundation for that family to thrive Mm -hmm. and how nourishing and being connected to that person and worshiping them Mm. is a way to honor the family. That's something that really sticks out to me. And when I think about creating a future family for myself, something that I really want to instill in my children is this belief that like their mother and father are in deep communion with one another and the amount of respect and devotion that comes from that and how that trickles into them. them. Um, Mm. That's something that really excites me. And then the other thing that just comes to mind is the is the power of the pussy. Like have w- have it worshipped, have it adored, have it celebrated, have us mm. looking at our genitals and being in awe of the intricacies and the differences and the beauty that is there between our thighs, instead of shamed or told mm. this is gross or told to put flower deodorant on it and all of those things. Like just worship this life giving organ you know this mm. this can canal into like the 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 greatest parts of the this existence so yeah mm. that's kind of that's so beautiful I love that so much especially the first one if only there were more examples of that right and imagine right. growing up seeing your parents so deeply infatuated with one another and physical obviously again in an appropriate way for sure but seeing them worship each other and love each other and respect and support and seeing that connection because you can feel that when there Mm -hmm. is that unconditional love but also sexual energy flowing through them that feeling is different and how cool would that be to grow up around that like the world would be a different place so I love that and also PS women you don't need to be using or you should not be using anything that is perfumed or anything that is vagina cleaning or vulva cleaning, not necessary. Pussy smells like pussy, like vagina (laughs) smells like vagina. Like it's, it's supposed to, and you do not want to be putting anything perfumed or like cleaning. You don't have to clean it in any way up there. So just FYI, PSA. Sidebar, have you ever seen the movie Meet the Fockers? Yes. Okay, you know the partnership that the parents have, his yes. parents, yeah. and how she's like the tantra teacher 
or the sex therapist and how they're still horny for one another and they spank each other and they're making out and like touching and being connection with each other. That was always so expansive to me. Like watching that movie and seeing their relationship mm. play it was like, that's what I want to create. Like oh. I want to, when my children are adults, still be like hot for my husband and yep. feel turned on and have the arrows like flowing. Yeah, I just wanted to mention that in case someone wants a visual of mm. – I know it's obviously not a real-life couple, but it's someone that you can see in the media and be like, oh, yeah, okay. Thank you for sharing that. I now want to go watch that movie because it's so, so funny. funny. <laughs> yeah, it's so cute. That's a great example. All right. Is there anything else that you would love to add, anything that you want to share? What women need to know around their body, sexuality, relationships, all of the things? Yeah, I think just get curious. Like go into a private space, whether that be a locked bathroom when you're having a bath or a shower or your bedroom. Create privacy for yourself. Create a container where you can kind of unravel in and explore your body, mm. you know? Like touch yourself. Even if it feels so uncomfortable to touch your pussy, touch your arms, touch the crevices between your elbows, like where your skin bends, touch your feet, massage yourself, your shoulders, your neck, just get in communion with your own body and see what it can teach you. Let your body show you something that your mind doesn't know yet and wade into that waters. Like mm -hmm. you have Steph and I's permission to play and to have fun and to have a body that gets to be celebrated and worshiped and make an extension of your mindfulness practice. Like mm -hmm. go in and meditate and then do some beautiful juicy breath work and then feel yourself, you know, and it doesn't have to be your genitals. It could be your breasts. It could be, like I said, just starting out with your neck or your jaw, like mm -hmm. touching your face, but feel yourself. Yeah. Be in your body. Yeah. I love that. What about you? Yeah, I love the, the piece of curiosity. That was the first note that I wrote down here. And I think it's really important because we are missing the curiosity piece around sexuality. And I had a client actually share this with me as one of her intentions or desires. She said, I'm a very curious person in every area of life, but I've lost that curiosity when it comes to my sexuality. And I want to bring that into my own personal practice, but also in intimacy with my husband. And it just made me so happy because I thought, yes, it gets to be fun and playful and bringing in that childlike curiosity into this somewhat scary and unknown and um, vulnerable space is so powerful. Yeah. So get curious, get curious with your body, get curious with different toys, get curious with the sex shop down the street, get curious with all of these different things. And I just want to add here, if you haven't listened to the episode that me and Janae did around the power of intentional self-pleasure, go listen to that because we touch on bodies, favorite sex toys, favorite lube, all of these different pieces. And that's a really good place to, to dive into in a conversation to listen to. If you're like, okay, I'm curious, but where do I begin? Go listen to that one because it's super juicy. <laughs> yeah. And then the only other thing, piece I wanted to add is we are expected to just know these things and sex is a skill set and you don't know what you don't know. And so asking for support if you need it, if you desire that in a coach, if you desire that in asking your therapist or going to couples counseling or going to your local sex shop and asking some questions. We don't just come here knowing all of these things. Steph and I didn't just we weren't just born knowing these things. Even though I had a really privileged upbringing, there's still so much I've learned about myself and about sex and intimacy in the last 
four years from mm-hmm. doing this deep study. And there's still stuff that I unpack from early sexual experiences that I had with, with men that were shitty, right? All of us aren't without our own um, cobwebs in the mm-hmm. closets of our sexuality. So ask for the support and mm-hmm. find people that you can you can that. trust. Yeah. And just to add on that, for context, Jenna and I have both been through a certification that is a 650 hour certification around female sexuality relationships that just shows you how freaking expansive this topic is it's immense and we are not taught this but there's so much to it sex isn't just this physical act there is so much more so if you can just have context of 650 hours around (laughs) female sexuality that's mind-blowing and that is still I mean there's still so much more beyond that that can be explored so this topic is vast and hopefully you're curious to be like what the fuck could they learn in this 650 hour certification but there's so much and you don't know what you don't know and there is this sense of opening a door to a whole new universe that you get to explore if you approach it with curiosity and how fun that gets to be when you go into that world. I'll offer the listeners three resources that are not free but are low cost and you don't have to work with a person one-on-one in case this is like a really charged topic and you're not ready to have these conversations with a coach. If you're looking for porn that's ethically made and sensual, not in that hardcore penis and vagina fucking fast and intense. El Cinemas, E-L-S-E Cinemas. It's Erica Less production company. It's people who submit their fantasies and this production team creates and plays out these sexual movies. And what I love about El Cinemas is it's so female friendly because it's like elongated sex scenes, like the really juicy, fun parts that you love about those sexy movies. They're the drawn out ones and they're real people having sex. Um, and there's those moments of awkwardness and getting a condom and stuff that happens in real sex. So El Cinemas is amazing. Um, Beducated, B-E-D-U-C-A-T-E-D. Beducated is really great if you want to explore kinks and explore content on your own. They're all self-paced courses. I think it's like $130 for the year and you can have access to learn a whole bunch of different ways of being in in a body and playing with your partners and you can explore BDSM and sacred sexuality even in there. There's all these little modules that you can do. You can talk you can there's a module even on like French kissing, like how do you French kiss, which is really cool. So if you want to go to some basics and just binge some content on your own or sit up with your partner or partners and do that. And the last one I wanted to offer was OMG Yes, which is all about women's pleasure and ways of orgasming and different ways of stroking a vulva and being in uh, connection with a vulva. So if you feel like you've masturbated and self-pleasured in one way your whole life and you're like, what else is there? What else can I do on my own? GS is a really cool platform where you can be like, oh, okay, there's all these other ways in which I can stroke myself and you know, mm. edge and all of these things. And I think that's uh, fairly low cost as well. So all of these things are m- way cheaper than working with a coach if that's not accessible to you at the moment and you don't have that ability to have the one-on-one support or if you just mm. want to dip your toe in before starting with Step Rye, that's a really Those are really great places to start. Love it. Thanks for sharing those, Jenna. Super excited for everybody to dive into these <laughs> juicy resources because it is such an unknown sort of field and having those recommendations is super important so i've loved this conversation as always super fun super juicy and powerful let us know what you've loved before i let you go jenna 
I have questions to ask you. They're going to be a little bit different today, a little juicier. We'll ease you in. We'll get the foreplay, the easy question of what is bringing you pleasure today? Ah, today. I woke up really hungry today and I had my chocolate strawberry smoothie and it was just hitting the spot. Like I was loving my my smoothie this morning. I've had the same one every day for probably multiple years, <laughs> but today it satisfied me in such a delicious way. And I slept in, which felt really amazing. So I think that mm. combo, that was how I started my day. <laughs> Juicy pleasure combo. I love it. What is your favorite sex toy? Ooh, I have this vibrator. It's called Tori and I forget what the make of it is. I can go grab it if you want me to. It is the softest silicone and it's like the shape of a leaf with this little point at the end. And I'm someone that really needs a lot of clitoral stimulation to orgasm and it fits really lovely in the curvature. It kind of has this little concave shape to it. And for partnered sex, it's amazing because I can just kind of slip it on my clit while uh, my partner is penetrating me. And it's also really fun to use on my clit if I'm using my glass dildo or crystal wand, that kind of thing. I think it's one of those things that I always pack in my travel bag wherever I'm going. Um, And yeah, it's just, it's super well made. The charge lasts a really long time. It's not loud. um, And it just is so reliable. (laughs) <laughs> you have to send me a picture of that one. <laughs> I love it. What do you love the most about yourself? I love my heart. I have the juiciest heart and I'm so generous with my love and I love fast and I love quick. Mm. And I saw this poetry the other day that was like, I love like I get in the bathtub and it said I dip one toe in and then fully submerge myself. And mm. that's to say like, I don't want anything until I'm fully submerged. And I think that that is really a great way to describe how I am. I think I show up so fiercely and so loyal and so devoted to the people that I love. um, And I would do anything for those folks. So I I really admire my heart. It gets me into trouble at times, but I wouldn't change it for the world because it is what makes me truly special. I love that. And I'm celebrating you because I also love how quickly you responded to the question. So I, I just love that so much. And you have a beautiful heart. So thank you for sharing Final question for you. What does it mean to you to live as an unfiltered feminine being? I think the biggest thing that comes to mind is taking the box away. I think I've spent a lot of my life in this box and trying to be within these container of what people think I need to be or how I think I need to show up. And for me, the last two years have been this devotion towards breaking out of that box and and, and taking up more space and stepping more fully into who I am. So unfiltered to me means removing that box, removing the veil. And the feminine energy is so vast, so deep. It almost makes me cry how gorgeous and lush it is. The feminine component, there's no limits. There is just this expansiveness that you get to play and entertain and continue learning and to continue growing and continue picking up new pebbles of yourself and bringing them back home. I had goosebumps in my body, deep visceral goosebumps in my body as you're sharing that I think that's so inspiring and so powerful and that is my desire and wish for all women so take away the fucking box and live as an unfiltered feminine being and we love you all thank you for listening thank you Jenna for being here for being so open and vulnerable as always always loving our chats and everybody connect with Jenna I will be adding her links let us know what you've loved from this conversation what has had an impact on you and feel free to reach out to both or either of us if you want to dive in and explore this world further we got you yes we do (laughs) 